when I was betrayed, I thought people would tell me I was crazy or nuts, mm. and I didn't get the professional help I needed to the way I should have because I was worried about being stigmatized, felt humiliated, I felt uh, different. In some ways, I felt like an outcast, and of course, self-confidence took a blow, but injured spouses who've been betrayed know about this pain. They know about some of the symptoms I'm going to get into. The betrayer doesn't really understand this. Mm. They have tons of guilt. They feel very guilty about what happened. They have a lot of shame about it, and that shame actually can be counterproductive. Healing Broken Trust podcast with Brad and Morgan Robinson, where we talk about healing from affairs, infidelity, trust, and cheating in your relationship from the perspective of a professional marriage therapist and affair recovery expert. If you're wanting to save your relationship after infidelity, this podcast is for you. And we're officially on episode number 16. We're talking about what is PTSD? You know, what is this trauma symptom of PTSD or what is PTSD? And if you haven't already, go and download episode 15. Listen to the first part of this trauma uh, series. It's a four-part series, and we're on the second part. Um, also, it'll really help to download and listen to episode one, where we talk about the seven stages of the fair recovery process, um, because that is really going to help you as well. But also, before I forget, I want to mention, go to healingbrokentrust.com forward slash episode 16. That is the number 16 and download your free resources. That way you can really have some help through this process. And we're super excited to have that um, there for you. So without further ado, let's play the recording of what is PTSD. Brad, can you explain to us what is PTSD? That's a great question. PTSD is really a deep emotional wound. It's really a trauma. People feel like recovering from an affair is hopeless or uh, that kind of thing. And I'm not diagnosing anybody who's been cheated on with that disorder. People have symptoms of that. And to be diagnosed with that, it's definitely not by listening to a radio show. You can self-diagnose, but it's really, you need a a professional to have to diagnose you with that. But there's a lot of themes in in affair recovery. And one of those is, is the betrayed spouse has symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and people experience that anytime they experience a deep personal wound that trauma and that could be when people have been raped mugged uh, physically sexually abused uh, even when people have been held hostage hijacked terrorism bombings uh, seeing somebody kill themselves or some seeing somebody die in front of you, torture, sexually assault, uh, surviving a natural disaster. There's a lot of different things, and infidelity is in that category of trauma and hurt. And as I mentioned last week, and I want to give you guys hope listening to this, infidelity recovery is not, it's a very simple process, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And what I mean by that is, if we, the greatest predictor of overcoming all those different things that I just listed is really having somebody there for you. And part of infidelity recovery is getting the story out, understanding the details of what happened, but also feeling like you guys are both there for each other and that the person who had the affair can be a nurturer and a healer. That's going to help you heal. And uh, so that's that's basically what PTSD is. 
What specifically makes PTSD so hard to recover from? I mean, gosh, you know, muggings and, and trauma, you know, terrorist attacks. I mean, that's that's big. What about um, a fair recovery, you know, and PTSD is so hard to that recover makes from? us difficult to recover from? Yeah. Well, anything, I guess, in a, just a short way to say it is intentional human causes, they are the most difficult traumas to recover from. Mm. And that's followed by unintentional human traumas. And so recovering from an affair isn't as easy easy as recovering from being mugged or witnessing a riot or uh, those kinds of things. And the simple reason for that is the injured spouse thought they knew who their spouse was. They thought they knew who the betrayer was. And the betrayer was someone who was once thought of as safe and dependable. And the pain of that affair hurts worse uh, when injured spouses feel that the betrayer was someone who wouldn't hurt them in a million years. Oh, yeah. With bombings and, and things that we've experienced even recently, it's kind of like like it feels like a random act of hatred that's kind of towards everyone, not just a person that might have lost their life or mm-hmm. lost a limb. It's it doesn't feel as like it was a, a direct attack on you specifically, like your spouse doing that to you. Which it, it feels more like a a direct attack on you as a person. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, and it's much much more personal. It's I depended on you, mm. and you turned your back on me. I needed you, you abandoned me. I needed you, and you left me. Mm-hmm. And so it's much more intentional it's it's uh somebody it's much more personal more targeted towards yeah yeah yeah. you know obviously then like a freak tornado or a hurricane it's obviously those are painful and that's what makes this hard to get over but you know i don't want to sit here and talk like nobody's ever recovered from this or it's impossible and then the reason i'm really going over this is the injured spouse knows they're an incredible amount of pain but they feel like they're crazy Mm. they don't understand that this actually has a name when i was betrayed I thought people would tell me I was crazy or nuts, mm. and I didn't get the professional help I needed to the way I should have because I was worried about being stigmatized, felt humiliated, I felt uh, different. In some ways, I felt like an outcast, and of course, self-confidence took a blow, but injured spouses who've been betrayed know about this pain. They know about some of the symptoms I'm going to get into, but the betrayer doesn't really understand this. Mm. They have tons of guilt. They feel very guilty about what happened. They have a lot of shame about it, and that shame actually can be counterproductive. You right. you would think the shame would help them be a healer, but it actually causes them to minimize the affair, mm. and that's something that we're going to get into uh, in the future, but what happens is uh, they don't really understand this, and a lot of people... People in the mental health community don't understand this. Pastors don't understand this. And what will happen is you go to people for help. They don't understand that you have symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder as a betrayed partner in this. They're going to tell you things like, well, you got to bury it. you got to let go. you got to forgive. And forgiveness ultimately is something that we want to work towards. But you can't just move past it. I wanted to get past it. If I could have, I would have. And so... What I'm trying to say is, is this kind of pain uh, is something that is... It's intrusive. It's intrusive. It's constant. But it's something that the betrayer needs to understand. There is a path forward. There's a way to deal with this. And telling your spouse things like, you got to get over this. You are crazy. You're nuts. And you're doing that only to minimize your own pain. But it it has to be done in an environment of nurturing and healing to work past that. And just telling somebody they're nuts and crazy actually causes further pain. Right. Um, I guess my question is, you know, how do we work through our anger and talk about the affair without pushing the betrayer away? That's a good question. That's that's actually a great question. Part of this is... How do you work through the pain of this without demoralizing the betrayer so they don't think that this is an impossible situation? There's a couple different things that can be done. 
the need to talk about the affair, the need to share details, the need to uh, really what I would call find meaning. What we really need uh, is for the for both spouses to understand why this happened and for it to make sense to them. Uh, sometimes, you know, the betrayer may know before the injured spouse knows, but how you talk about this in a way where both people feel respected is really to control anger outbursts as the injured spouse and having those symptoms. There's a lot of rage. It's not really, sometimes it's not even really anger. It's more rage and it's always kind of below the surface. It's always there. And as the injured spouse, you have to be careful with that because your anger is going to push that person away. It's kind of counterproductive. It's, yeah, it's really very it's very counterproductive. And something that we're going to get into later is how there's personality traits of people who are betrayers. They're conflict avoiders for the most part. I would say maybe 19 out of 20 in my practice, they are conflict avoiders. They do not like discussing things that are emotional in nature. Expressing their own emotions is difficult. Asking for what they want and need is difficult. And so you are basically... With that kind of anger and rage, you are bulldozing over this person, and it's it becomes counterproductive at that point to then try to talk to them about. The and you bet- won't get the answers you really want. No, yeah, well, yeah. it's not going to be productive, and, and and so what you need to do is limit how much you talk about this in the beginning. After discovery, you're going to talk about it probably hours on end. Mm-hmm. Uh, some couples will, some couples won't talk about it at all, but most couples I find they talk about it extensively. They do go into depth about it. And what you need to do as time goes on is try to limit your talks to this to 15 to 30 minutes with a kind of an idea I call open limitations. Any question can be asked at any time, uh, but you do want to shy away from sexual details. Certain sexual details are just re-traumatizing. And what I mean by that is peeling the scab off and, and re-putting salt on the wound when you do that. And then just uh, love letters or correspondence of that type. You want to stay away from that area. But anything else is, is free game. The limitations part is is just talking about it for 15 to 30 minutes. Because as people talk about this, you can get heated, you can get upset. And when you're when you're talking about this, you need to really just kind of limit that interaction yeah because the more time that you spend talking about it you start going in a big circle asking kind of the same question yeah over and especially over. if you're not getting any help right. and that's where professional help is necessary kind of with somebody who knows how to walk you through this so when people run into that situation getting their spouse to talk it's making sure you're not bulldozing over them mm-hmm. uh, the betrayer is probably somebody who doesn't like conflict you've got to be able to talk to them in a way that helps them open up and talk about it they normally don't want to talk about it uh, they don't feel like they can be forgiven. And so part of this is letting them know that you see what they're giving. Mm-hmm. You see the effort and letting them know in no uncertain terms that you guys are working towards forgiveness. And right now that may not be possible in your situation. But kind of the end goal is I want to put this behind us. I want to put this behind me as the injured spouse. And forgiveness is something that we're working towards. Forgiveness you know, occurs in stages. We're working towards it. Maybe we haven't reached full forgiveness yet, but I want that. And I need you to be here with me, you as a betrayer, to help me work through this so I can, uh, so we can reach full forgiveness. But many times, betrayers will feel, gosh, you know, there's nothing that can be done to fix this. I have done the unforgivable sin. Uh, they can't let it go. They're letting me know they can't let it go. And so what I'll encourage people to do as well is, as the betrayed as the injured spouse, really to keep a journal just for yourself to write in and express everything in there. 
and get it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when you can say the mean, ugly, hateful things you want to say. But if you didn't, if you say those things that you would normally put in a journal and reserve that, your spouse is going to lose all motivation. They're going to feel like, I can't really be there. We can't heal from this. And they're going to stop trying. It's, it's really what's happening is learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. They, they keep butting their heads against the wall and they feel like this wall will never come down. And so right. they, they quit trying. And so as the injured spouse, you need to use the policy of open limitations, keep a journal, but also let your spouse know, I do want to forgive you. I want to work towards this. I, I'm not happy with being this upset, and I'm not trying right. to push you away with my anger. When you are um, feeling these feelings, that it's, it's a natural process. It's kind of like when, you, when you're just so upset and you naturally avoid any kind of painful feelings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to go there, so we don't talk about it, or we, we just don't want to talk about it. So we just kind of suppress it, and we avoid it, and we push it back. But... The natural process is to feel this pain, and eventually it will it will subside after after getting help, after talking about it, after finding meaning and, and mm-hmm. finding resolve. But um, but talking about you know in in the same vein, um, you know learning your spouse or significant other has you know cheated on you is is a, a life altering event. You talk about the injured spouse not only feeling numb and, and avoiding talking about the affair, um, but also avoiding other situations as well because of this pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned significant other because before I met and married you, my handsome husband, I was, you know, cheated on by someone I dated. You know, I remember walking down the hall um, and seeing him with her feeling and just feeling devastated. Um, but it's not until now, you know, looking back that I realized the way I dealt with it was avoiding activities that I enjoyed um, and I used to participate in and avoided, avoided people. Um, and I just avoided every social activity, you know, that I loved. Um, and I just became very depressed and in the book, um, The Principles of Affair Recovery, which you and I got together and wrote, mm-hmm. um, you talk about restricted range of affect. You know, what is that? And um, can, you, can you kind of elaborate, you know, why is it that we avoid these situations? And why is it that we, you know, that we just don't feel like talking about it? And we kind of suppress these feelings. And, and how important is it to, yeah. you know, talk about this? Yeah, that's a good question. Part of this is... Let me back up to kind of answer your question. Uh, Because the affair is so painful, it makes sense that we would try to logically numb feelings about it. Uh, Something I try to do in my office is to help couples understand you cannot numb painful memories without also numbing the good memories as well. And not just good memories from the relationship, but from their life. Uh, So the injured spouse, they, they try to suppress all feelings in order to numb the painful feelings from the affair. As a result... Injured spouses often avoid pleasant activities, uh, including those they once enjoyed uh, before the discovery of the affair. Hmm. Uh, you know, like maybe maybe even things like traveling, hobbies, relaxation. Yeah, so they're like rewriting their whole the whole history of the relationship at that point in their mind. Yeah, that's what that's what they're doing. But because they're trying to avoid the they're they're because they're in so much pain and torment, thinking about the affair and the obsessive thoughts that go with it. They just want to numb out that pain. And so what they do is, is they numb out that those painful emotions, but they numb out the good emotions. Mm-hmm. And so then they just they start avoiding pleasant activities they once enjoyed. Because maybe it reminds them of the person that they were together with or I wonder why that is. It could be that. But it's I mean, it's really that simple. It's you're hurting. Mm-hmm. You go numb and then depression can build. 
and then you slack motivation, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so things such as traveling, hobbies, relaxation, finding pleasure in their kids isn't as enjoyable. So after the affair, betrayed spouse will say, I don't know how to have fun or enjoy myself anymore. So betrayed spouses commonly feel detached from other people. After going through an affair, people often assume that they are now different and that no one could possibly relate to their experience. They, they feel like they can't talk about this, oh, but what happened, what the partners did for fear of, uh, of judgment. They feel like keeping the secret about the affair leads them to feeling further disconnected from others. They no longer feel comfortable in social situations. Hmm. And so they avoid gatherings or just don't find any pleasure in them. But the problem is the injured spouse isn't connecting with others because they don't feel like they're able to be emotionally open. Oh. Uh, and so affair recovery is difficult when the injured spouse is struggling to contain memories of the affair. And part of feeling emotionally numb is having what you just asked me about a minute ago, restricted range of affect. And that basically means the injured spouse could have trouble laughing, crying, or loving. Hmm. And the injured spouse might assume she has lost the ability to feel compassionate, intimate, uh, tender, or sexual. However, at some point, the healthy expression and experience of grief and pain must occur so we have to have that. Oh yeah, you have uh, to for feel her to become. Yeah, talk about yeah. It. yeah. Uh, it has to be a healthy expression of grief and pain for them uh, to have a to become healthy and emotional uh, individual once again. Uh, and so the injured spouse's recovery is vital for the recovery of the marriage after the affair. So it's kind of like when you've discovered that your spouse has, has done this, you've talked about going back and forth. People go back from rage to anger to sadness to numbness to just all these different feelings. So the suppressing of, of feelings is kind of one of those back and forth. So maybe they feel that one minute and then the next minute they feel rage. Is that kind of accurate, but back and forth? Yeah, kind of healing comes in waves, meaning in the beginning you're an emotional roller coaster. Healing's up and down. Let me let me just close this thought before we end our program. Here's the thing. Not only do in, injured spouses feel disconnected from other people, but they also feel disconnected from their future. They're unable to imagine or look forward to a normal, happy life and relationship because they don't feel like they can have a normal life again. It's, you know, many times they don't make plans about the future. Instead, you know, a betrayed husband probably has pessimistic expectations about what the future holds, including the affair happening again. This outlook is called the doomsday orientation, because no matter how good life seems, uh, the betrayed spouse believes trouble's right around the corner. So, um, so yeah. that's, you know, kind of in the future. They're always like, well, this is always going to fail. This is always going to be bad. They kind of have a pessimistic outlook. But let me, let me say this before we finish. If injured spouses are stuck in the past, revisiting and reliving the affair with the unresolved pain, guilt, anger, grief, or fear, and trying to desperately block those feelings out, they will undoubtedly lack the energy or interest to plan for the future of the relationship. But when they try to block out the past, they block out the future as well. It's, it's a very thin wall that they put up that blocks those emotions. Because you talk about normal thoughts and memories. You, you file them away. Mm -hmm. You talk about them. You, you kind of work through them. And then they, they go into this happy place that's like an, a Rolodex that's filed away. Mm -hmm. But with this emotion, this, this pain caused by infidelity, it's like just right there. You, you haven't talked about it. You haven't worked through it yet. And it's just right there behind this thin, this thin wall that has these cracks in it, right? And, and it bits and pieces kind of squirt out, for lack of better words, kind of like a, a full glass of water where it's at the very, very top. The water's right at the top of the brim. You shake it just a little bit, the table just a little bit, and it overflows with just, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like our, our feelings and our emotions. Would you? Yeah, I think that's, I think I would say that's accurate. But here, let me, let me say there's good news here. Yeah. The first three months 
after the discovery of the affair is the hardest period. That period is when most symptoms of PTSD are at their worst. And so that's, you know, that's usually the hardest period for the betrayed spouse because the emotional roller coaster is at its highest. Mm. And so for half half of individuals, they're able to really see significant improvement after the first three months. Yeah. And a lot of that is really dependent upon how well the the betrayer how well they are to be supportive emotionally, be honest, uh, be transparent, and really display the attitude of whatever it takes. That's, that's really the big key we have to have with that. Okay. Thanks for listening to Healing Broken Trust. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at healingbrokentrust.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to healingbrokentrust.com forward slash retreat for details on an upcoming one-on-one retreat with me. If you like us, please subscribe and leave a review for us on iTunes. As always, everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Morgan's opinion and is not to be taken as relationship advice because I'm not your therapist, nor have I considered your personal situation as your therapist. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. See you until next time.